What's good? What's going on? Welcome to episode number two of the Hogshaven podcast powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Moe, Jamal Forrest. You can find me at Let Maul Tell It on Twitter. Do not forget the you. <laughs> L-E-T-M-U-A-L, tell it on Twitter. Listen, man, football is back. The Washington Commanders football is back. I mean, uh, listen, somewhat. We got preseason football, <laughs> and I'll take that, right? We got a couple weeks of preseason football, and then we're just itching for week one. We're right around the corner, and I believe we are a month away from the start of football, start of the regular season, NFL football, man. But this Saturday, the Washington Commanders take on the Carolina Panthers at 1 p.m. FedEx Field. 1 p.m. start time is a little weird. I don't know about y'all. I don't remember the last time that I've seen somewhat of a 1 p.m. start time on a Saturday. Like, I've I seen it on Sundays. Um, I've, I've seen 1 p.m. on Sundays, and I've seen the Monday night football games. But in terms of evening time for preseason or, or afternoon, I haven't seen that. And I'm not going to lie to you. I can't complain. It is perfect. You know, if you're a person like me who, who like to enjoy their evenings, and on top of that, I can watch some other football or you know, hit a bar, hit maybe a couple bars, something like that. I don't know. Um, look, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So, again, man, football season is here, and I'm just I'm just thoroughly excited. We got football tonight. This is being recorded on August 11th, um, 2 p.m. Actually, just to give you the specific details, <laughs> just in case anything happens after this time. But we got football tonight, and I'm looking forward to that, man, Malik Willis. That's all I want to see for tonight's game, and um, I somewhat of they guy, they receiver, Traylon Burks. Um, but I'm really locked in on that boy, Malik Willis. Uh, I was a fan of him coming out. Um, I was really interested in like the uh, the the volatile nature. I think that's the word, or maybe the the high profile, you know, sense of uh, what his name entailed. And at this point, I really just want to see what he's looking like at the pro level. I'm not going to take too much out of it, but I'm excited, man. But back to the commanders, because that's what we're all here for. On the agenda today, man, on the show, we got a quick preview of the game from a commander's perspective. I have a few people in mind that I'm going to be paying attention to this Saturday to kick off the preseason. And these five particular people that I'm looking into, you know, they, they vary. They're not all like pressure on them or if they don't play well, they get cut or anything like that. But I think it's important that we have some variety because it's hard to really understand now. We do understand, we do know that there are some position battles in Washington, right? Like the offensive line, you look at the right guard perspective, uh, Wes Schweischer versus Trey Turner. Uh, Schweischer is winning it by default because Trey Turner hasn't practiced in forever. Um, and I think it's been uh, going on week two that he hasn't practiced and clearly don't expect him to be available this Saturday against the Panthers and may not be ready for some time. I'm not going to put an exact number on it because we don't know just yet, but uh, it's clearly becoming an extended period of time. And uh, secondly, you have the tight end room. There was a, a lot of competition behind Logan Thomas and he was hurt, but ultimately when uh, Logan Thomas is out and your back end guys are all fighting for roster spots during the moment, which AGG Antonio Gandy Golden was still on the roster you know, it was a pretty crowded room. But now John Bates is out. Or he's battling with injuries. I think that's the safest word. He's battling with injuries. And um, 
you don't know exactly to what extent uh, the seriousness of these these injuries are with John Bates, but you know that he's in and out of the lineup, which provides opportunities, even more opportunities for guys like Curtis Hodges and Armani Rogers. And uh, these are some of these guys that uh, are, are going to be um, in, a, in a, a big battle coming up. Like the, and I say big, not just not just because, you know, it's us in the commander land, but understand that the players are value. I mean, excuse me, the coaches are valuing these guys, these players in high regard. Regardless of what their draft status was, which, you know, two of those guys, Armani and Curtis, were undrafted. But Cole Turner's around. Sam Reyes is around. Um, I'm very interested in seeing, you know, how this all tight end position unfolds. But to be honest with you, those are the main two. Those are the main two that's, that's really talking about a starter or or even making the, the back end of the depth chart for that particular position. Um, so with that being said... Uh, yeah, five players, man. We're going to get into some Rivera quotes first because we got to understand what the coach said. Uh, he spoke after their practice this Thursday. Um, and you know, he said a couple things that were important. The first nugget that we'll get into is Curtis Samuel. Um, Curtis Samuel is going to be active, uh, as well as Benjamin St. Juice. Another, another thing that he got into was the commander's starters. Uh, Ron Rivera said that the starters will be playing between 15 to 20 snaps against Carolina. Uh, and here's here's this deal. You all thought I was playing. If you all listened to the first episode, what did I say about preseason? You tell me that. Think about it. i give you two seconds. Now let's go. He said he wanted to see how they handle situations like third downs, Red zone, how they handle the huddle. He just wants consistency. Now, when we talked about, am I concerned with Carson Wentz from an individual standpoint? And I told you no. I meant that. But when I told you all as well that one of my main concerns was because these guys aren't looking too good from an overall standpoint, from a unit standpoint, with Carson Wentz contributing to that, am I concerned? Yes. That is a storyline, and I want everybody to be aware of that. Ron Rivera, again, third down, red zones, how they handle the huddle. That is something that I'm I'm very interested in, in as well. In the 15 to 20 snaps, how efficient are they? I want to see if they get three third downs, like are they two for three? I want to see some things like that. I want to see if they get in the red zone. Can they put it in the end zone? I don't want to see a field goal. So these are all these things that you have to take into account when you're trying to see how good uh, these starters are coming out into their first game. And I want to see consistency as well. So understand that um, it's not a it's not a, a fake thing that people are at least I'm, I'm, I'm going to say myself. I'm going to put my name on it. It's not anything that's fake that's people that people are drumming up. Like that is a legitimate uh topic and uh Rivera is sitting into it and I I'm not going to sit here and tell people that they should be blowing it up, but I just want you to know if there's anybody who told you that it's something that you should monitor, remember that it was Mo. <laughs> Mo told you that. Anyway, moving on to the next item, he talked about the punt return competition. Um, you know, I didn't. I said it on Hogshaven.com, but I didn't say it on the podcast platform. That you know, there were a ton of people. There was about uh, 
exaggerating, about four or five people that, you know, <clears throat> was returning punts on the Friday that I went there. It included Jahan Dodson, Dax Milne. Um, I think Erickson was returning punts as well. And Rivera mentioned on the punt return competition, don't discount the opportunity to use Jahan as well. Uh, he also mentioned Rivera did that he'll, he and the staff particularly will discuss using Dotson there more, uh, the more the team gets closer to the regular season. So um, that was something that I thought all along in terms of Dotson's playmaking ability. I don't think he'll be limited to just offense. And if you're one that's concerned about, you know, uh, exposing him to, to injury because they're using him outside of um, offense and what he's, you know, here to do, like contribute to the offensive side. Uh, look, players play, man. Hoopers hoop. Remember, I had a conversation with Santana Moss one day. Um, and Santana mentioned, uh, this is on a, a podcast that uh, essentially he was a person who wanted to be on the field at all times. He didn't. He didn't even. He didn't even understand why they weren't. Why Washington, particularly, weren't even using him at slot. Like they didn't decide to use him at slot until his career was over. <laughs> until he was ready to put uh, to retire. So that's something where uh, when you look at the punt return position, I don't want you all to get scared at the fact that uh, Jahan Dotson is, is going to be your prize number one dra draft pick round for first round draft pick is going to be returning to punts. Look, players play Hooper's hoop. And if he wants to contribute in that in that way and the coaches want to use him, look, let him make a difference. Let him make a difference. It's that simple. Um, and then lastly, uh, Ron Rivera mentioned that the quarterbacks, all of the quarterbacks, will see action on Saturday. And that is something that I'm pleased to see or pleased to hear. I'm not surprised about the back end, but in terms of Carson Wentz, and obviously I mentioned about the starters having 15 to 20 snaps, which is uh, really good. Uh, the, the the quarterbacks, all three having opportunities is good. But particularly I like this quote because of, of Rivera's mention of Sam Howe and that, He'd like to see Taylor play into the third quarter, then have Sam Howe finish it up. He specifically wanted to see Sam Howe handle a two-minute situation. So already he's thinking of ways to test Sam Howe as a rookie. And uh, when people say are there main takeaways from preseason, uh, there's always ways. Like, you have to see how certain people uh, play in certain situations. You have to understand how evaluations occur. It's not just from a fan standpoint, oh, just stay healthy. Nah, man, I, and, and that's kind of what I'm going to get into when I list my players. It's not all about, um, you know, can they stay healthy? I don't care how they look in preseason because preseason doesn't mean anything. You get a lot of evaluations on players, like how are they reacting to the crowd? How are they reacting on the field against another opponent and not just their, not just their teammates? How are they reacting against different coverages and different ways that, that people would defend them or try to score against them or try to move the ball against them. What happens if you're the one that's getting targeted? <laughs> if you're a defensive back and the quarterback is, is targeting him six times uh, in the preseason and he's not having a good outing. It don't matter who they put on this cornerback. He can't stop nobody. All of these things matter. And uh, for Washington, uh, there's a ton of reasons why a two-minute situation for Sam Howe is very important. And um, if you can handle a critical situation like that, it sheds light into uh, your mental uh, 
aptitude, I guess is the word, <laughs> but no, uh, really your mental competitiveness, understanding how you can operate in four minute situations, red zones, two minute situations, things like that. And, uh, I, that's probably one of the, the main reasons why Ron Rivera wants to see that is, is how he responds in a tough situation. And hopefully, you know, it's a good game where Sam Howell can get tested in a, in a, in a close, a tight knit game and, and how he responds. And if Washington can win the game in a situation like that led by Sam Howell. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, it's going to be very interesting. So with that being said, let's get into some names. Uh, but first up, I'm going to start with my honorable mentions. All right, so my honorable mentions aren't going to be too long, but I got four people in my honorable mentions. Number one is John Dotson. Um, again, I, like I said yes, last year, last year, <laughs> last episode, uh, Jahan, man, I think that this guy, like, he's he's a dog, just flat out. He's a dog, um, and I believe that before training camp started, so... I don't want people to think that it's based on reports. This is based on my film study, my analysis, my breakdown. Uh, Jahan Dotson is a dog, and um, I, I don't expect to see too much out of Jahan in the first preseason game. But what I want to do uh, for Jahan is see how many targets that they send his way, because best believe they're going to dial up something for Jahan just to see how he reacts in a real game. That's their first round draft pick. Like, can they get him a screen? Can they get him a shot play? What happens in terms of the dial-up? But secondly, what does Jahan do when the opportunity is called for him? That's going to be a big moment, his first target in the NFL, regardless of his preseason or regular season. That's going to be a big moment. So I want to see Jahan uh, and just see what he does with his first opportunity uh, in the NFL and for the commanders. Um, number two for me is Sam Cosme. Sam Cosme is somebody where I, I thought about adding him to my five, my five main people, but Sam Cosme, uh, it's his first year, his first season without Brandon Sheriff, and obviously he is in year two, but in that same vein, when you're talking about Sam Cosme, uh, who struggled last year in pass protection, uh, they have some guys on that opposite side, whether it's Matt Ioannidis or Brian Burns, um, assuming that these guys will be active to some extent, uh, they're going to have some guys active uh, that's going to test Sam Cosme on the right side. And while I did name an interior guy, like the way that the Panthers play, they have their defensive linemen. They, they mainly run like that 3-3-5 defense, a uh, three-down lineman primarily. So uh, they can line these guys up in multiple alignments. And uh, they trust it that, uh, especially a guy with Matt Ioannidis, who's a pass rusher, um, they're going to they're gonna move him around too. So I'm just assuming that, uh, Cosby may have some matchups against Matt Ioannidis, but either way, I just want to see how he reacts in pass pro, uh, year two. What have you been doing in the off season? What have you been doing in training camp? Did it translate on the field? I'm very interested in seeing how Sam Cosby reacts to, uh, some live action year two, uh, first and foremost, and, and how he responds from a pass protection standpoint. Is he capable of holding up on his own? And I mentioned Brandon Sheriff because a lot of people don't understand how impactful Brandon Sheriff was to, Sam Cosby. Um, I, I think that while Brandon isn't around anymore, um, you want to see how he can or what impact did he leave on Sam, but also uh, is Wes Swisher doing the same things or Trey Turner if his time comes? Um, it, are they doing the same things to help Sam Cosby out or are they comfortable, whether it's him 
meaning the left guard, I mean, excuse me, the right guard or the coach in Matsko, are they comfortable letting Sam Cosby do his own thing or are they going to shift protection, slide protection to help him out or or have when the the right guard is uncovered, have that right guard chip in and help Sam Cosby uh, if they don't have anybody to block. And while at times that's that's just normally the case, is it a focal point on the right side? Like, is it a focal point or is it just something that happens when a traditionally uncovered or, or a natural slide protection? So interested in seeing Sam, how Sam Cosby works. Um, And then James Smith Williams. Last episode, I mentioned about that defensive line and how I really wasn't confident in or at least heading into the season. So I, I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, it is the case in this current state, but when you're talking about these guys who are going to be filling in the void for Chase Young and obviously being key depth pieces with uh, a, a key depth and rotational spots because they're going to get some action, uh, James Smith-Williams is first up in line. Um, he is the guy who is uh, Chase Young's direct replacement in terms of uh, filling in for injury. So I am interested in seeing how James Smith-Williams plays and how he responds or even, excuse me, how he responds as, as being the first man up, but also how he executes in, in this this system and this unit that clearly had a ton of issues last year in terms of being on the same page with their coaches. So uh, James Smith-Williams is number three for me in terms of honorable mentions. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to take too much away from these guys uh, in terms of like heavy criticisms or performance for performance related things. But then Percy Butler is my number four guy. I'm a lot of people have high hopes for Percy Butler. Um, I think that he is a traditional post player. Um, I think he can be that true free safety for Washington uh, down the line. And that's why he is honorable mention. I just want to see how he feels in terms of playing on the field in his first game action uh, for the commanders. And does he look comfortable? Is he processing? Well, uh, is he able to tackle? Because for me, I don't want to sit here and talk about like, there's a difference between tackling, understanding how to tackle and then laying a boom on somebody. Percy Butler, he will smack, he will smack anybody that, that he goes head up against. He'll smack them. Especially if he has a clean shot, but does he understand angles is he able to wrap up? Does he have the leverage, the proper leverage and pad level to make things happen? And I'm interested in seeing how Percy Butler reacts when he gets in the game. And if the starters are playing around 15 to 20 snaps, Percy Butler should probably start seeing a lot of action in the second half, like starting the second half, going into the fourth quarter, if not the, the entire second half. So I'm interested in seeing how Percy Butler is able to play in his first preseason game. And next up, we have the five people that I'm actually really looking forward to seeing on Saturday. Let's get into that. So first up for me, at number five, is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is interesting because, again, I talked about it a thousand times already, so it seems. <laughs> but with Carson Wentz being... Uh, at the helm, I want to see how he feels with this offense. Uh, I want to see how comfortable he looks. I want to see what he's, how he's getting, how quickly he's getting the ball out of his hands, um, and things like that. I'm, I'm very um, loose in terms of evaluations and in terms of throws in the NFL, and especially in preseason. Like, I'm not going to sit here and judge every single throw, right? Uh, but if there's a trend, 
that's a negative trend. Um, I'm going to pay attention to that. But if you have like a couple bad misses here and there, but you're still connecting on some passes, you know, it is what it is. Like that happens on certain days. Like Aaron Rodgers misses the best of them. Like he, he misses as well. Um, so I want to make sure that people understand that. But I want to see like, can we avoid the negative trend in those 15 to 20 snaps? So if he's if you have about 20 snaps offensively, I would imagine uh, that what well, he should. And I believe that all all teams should in the preseason. But if you're having like 20 snaps, I should be seeing 15 passes. <laughs> I think that's one of the hardest things to come across in the NFL, like trying to get things together in the passing game. We all know it's a passing league by now. And uh, sometimes when you're not passing as much, um, and you want to have a balanced attack in preseason. I, look, come on now. I don't, as much as I like Brian Robinson, I don't want to see 15 to 20 snaps in the preseason game. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to see that. Uh, excuse me. I don't want to see, uh, uh, 10 rushes. If it's 15 to 20 snaps, I don't want to see seven rushes and eight passes. I don't want to see 10 rushes and 10 passes. Give me like four carries. Give me four carries, five carries. And the rest passes. So, um, for me, again, Carson Wentz, I just don't want to see a negative trend. Um, I want to see something where it's either medium or you see that, okay, I like that he's going to this player. We understand that Carson Wentz had, uh, he had favored Jahan Dotson um, through many camps, OTAs. And Cole Turner has been a big name for Carson Wentz as well uh, in training camp. I want to see exactly how comfortable he is when he steps on that field and uh, if there's no negative trends, I am not worried about incompletions. I am not worried about bad misses here and there. No negative trends. If you have like several bad misses, then we have to talk about it. If you have one or two, cool. I'm cool with that. But overall, um, I just want to see neutral, if not positive trends for um, Carson Wentz. So, yeah, number four. My guy, Fidarian Mathis. This is somebody who I talked about. I, if it was outside of Jahan Dotson, Fidarian Mathis is my favorite pick. A lot of people, and I've seen this on Hogshaven, man. So I gotta talk to y'all. Stop assuming that Fidarian Mathis would have been available in the third and fourth round. Some even said the fifth round. That is not true. That was not gonna happen. I've he I haven't even seen. I've seen some teams. Look, put it this way. There are um, agents out there. There are even teams out there who have an understanding of what other teams or other agents are thinking. And um, what I what I mean by that is every draft board is not the same. Every real draft board from every team is not the same. You, you can sit here and look at a big board from all these media outlets and things like that. But guess what? Those aren't real. They give you a they give you an idea of how good a player is, and that's fair. But that is not the real thing. And um, I just want you all to understand that when you say that Fedarian could have been available in the third, fourth, some said fifth, that's just not true. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, there were some people who legitimately had him as a first round pick, a late first round pick. Um, so I just want you to understand that if they didn't get him where they did. There was no there was no guarantee and it was probably a less than 40 percent chance that they would have been able to get him in the third round. So for me, for Darian Mathis, I want to see how he's able to play 
uh, from a conditioning standpoint, uh, which I personally don't have uh, a negative connotation. Behind. I believe that he'll be fine. But I want to see on the NFL level how he's going to be handling um, a bunch of snaps because in preseason, again, you're not going to get a lot of starting, a lot of starters playing a lot of time. So for Darian is going to be uh, seeing a lot of snaps. Like this ain't going to be the end, uh, the regular season week one where you're seeing for Darian say if there's like 50 snaps on the defensive side, he's getting 20, maybe less than 20. You're not going to see that. If there's 50 in preseason, he's probably going to see about 30. He's probably going to see about 35. So. That is going to be an uptick for him. I want to see how he, how he looks playing that many snaps. I also want to see where they align him. Fidarian in college played all over the line. He played edge. He played up against the or head up over the nose. I mean, excuse me, over the tackle, the right tackles, the left tackles. He's played head up over the guards. He's played one technique in between the center and the guards. He did it all. So. I just want people to understand that, um, again, for Darian, uh, he's going to be playing a lot of time on Saturday. And uh, this is somebody where I believe from a from a, a player standpoint, uh, his strength and, and his ability to to hold his ground and stalemate blockers and even stalemate double teams at time to let his players, his teammates be successful. Um, I want to see how that translates in, in preseason, because this is going to be his first indication uh, on whether he can do it on the pro level. And whether he has that that understanding and that that toolbox has it trans can it transition over to the NFL level? So I'm very interested in seeing Fedarian Mathis and his ability for this defense because if he can translate everything, then we're talking about a much better linebacker unit by default. Um, and then maybe your blitz packages can even become better as a byproduct of Fedarian Mathis being able to hold and consume two people. So we'll see. I like what Fedarian is doing, or I like the idea of Fedarian. I just want to see what he's doing and what he looks like. Number three, for me, we touched on it um, to an extent early on, that tight end spot, uh, how this how this, uh, this this tight end battle was going to look. And um, because Cole Turner has been dealing with a hamstring injury for about a week, I'm not going to sit here and insert him in my five people. I'm going to assume that he may not play. If at all, he'll probably play uh, no more than 10 snaps. So uh, Armani Rogers for me, is a guy that I'm looking into. Um, at FedEx Field, I did not go to the open FedEx Field practice, but I saw some clips online posted by some people. And, uh, and those clips at FedEx Field, he had two instances where I saw, okay, I, I heard about his receiving game. But he looked pretty good as a blocker. Now, one, I will admittedly acknowledge he got put on his ass. <laughs> but on this wham block that he had where he fit the hole properly, he knew who he was supposed to block. And he actually sailed off the uh, the lane or the gap for the running back to run through. So he, he did his job. He just couldn't stand his ground. So he got in the way is what I'm saying. <laughs> But that was the first thing I saw. So I admittedly, he got put on his ass. That wasn't, you know what I'm saying? That's not the prettiest thing to see. But in in a literal sense, he got his job done. But that was the first instance. And that was a run play. Second instance, and by the way, Cole Holcomb was the guy who put him on his ass. <laughs> that, was, that was the guy. 
Um, but secondly, there was a pass play. And on this pass play, Armani was lined up as the H-back, but they had him stay in pass pro. And his matchup was against Casey Tuhill. And what I saw by Armani Rogers, first and foremost, everybody, if you know, don't know edge rusher, don't nobody want to get blocked by a tight end. And don't nobody expect to get blocked by a tight end. So when it happens, it's problematic. And on top of that, I'm sure your coach is going to get on you for getting blocked by a tight end. <laughs> so for me, um, Armani Rogers did his thing against Casey Tuhill and uh, he was like, this one was a really clean rep. Um, I saw his hand placement. He was able to lock Casey Tuhill out. He wasn't able to, Casey Tuhill wasn't able to get off the block. He was able to wash him around the pocket. Um, I don't remember the result of the play, but from a, a personal standpoint and Ar Armani Rogers, his execution was excellent. So when I saw those two plays, I said, hold on, this man knows where he, he knows where his assignment is. He's quickly responding. He's quickly processing things. I think that there's something there from a, a blocking standpoint. And if he can separate himself as being a good receiver and an okay blocker. Now, again, these are two reps, but I just want to take away the fact that uh, when you have these two reps and a guy in Armani who clearly is uh, showing that he's willing to block and he's going to get his hands dirty, then I'm interested. Color, me interested. <laughs> um, so yeah, Armani Rogers is my number three guy because if we can have um a tight end again, our, our I mean we have a basketball unit, a basketball starting five at tight end. So um it doesn't really matter from a high perspective who gets in and who doesn't, but um if we can get af athletes and we can get uh dual threat tight ends or uh two way tight ends who can pass, uh catch and block, I'm here for it. Number two. It's Jamin Davis. Um, I actually talked about Jamin Davis this morning in the Twitter spaces. And in these Twitter spaces, they just asked a question about, you know, what does a successful season look like for Jamin Davis? And, and what do you what do you consider like a bounce back or something like he arrived type of thing? And for me, I think the first indication isn't even through training camp. I really think it's through the through the games. And uh what will tell me that Jamie Davis is coming along as if he's playing fast, he's playing physical. And I know those are broad topics and broad ways to describe his game, but what playing fast indicates is that the game is clicking from a mental standpoint. He's able to understand that, all right, this is where I'm supposed to be, uh, but if I mess up and I'm not supposed to be right here, I'm going to find a way to get back into the play. Now, if you're egregiously um, missing your gaps or playing out of your gaps, and not playing gap assignments. Understand that Jack Del Rio does play gap, one gap situation. So for Jamin Davis, a lot of people say, I just want to play him. I don't need to, we don't need to play him in middle linebacker. That's not that's not where he's good at. He needs to flow from uh sideline to sideline. And I agree with that spot. But regardless of where you're at in the front seven or in the front six, you are responsible for a gap. So Jamin Davis is going to be playing a gap one way or another. If he's the middle linebacker. He's the weak side or the strong side. He's gonna be playing a gap. So understand that yes, I, I want him to say I want him to be playing fast. And if he does make a mistake, overcome it as quick as possible. Um, but also, uh, how does he fit in the runs? How does he take on blocks? We understand that in that five two defense, that Cinco package for the Washington Commanders, David Mayo was the guy starting over Jamie Davis. 
He didn't come in as in like a, a okay, sit this one out, Jamin. No, they're choosing. Hey, David, you're in. Jamin, stay on the sideline. Like that's what they're doing when they call in that single package. So for Jamin, his opportunities is probably going to come in. Uh, number one, he's going to have these opportunities as a starter. But I don't think that he's going to be one of those guys where they say, "All right, your twenty plays are are up. You can sit." Like no, he needs he are going he's going to get plenty of opportunity for uh, the Commanders and uh, Week One. So I'm very interested in seeing where Jamin Davis is. And then number one, Sam Howe. That is my guy. Um, so I'm not over here preaching for a quarterback controversy, but I continue to preach that. We understand that Sam Howe would have been a first-round pick if he came out of 2021 and not 2022. But at the same vein, he chose to stay. And when he chose to stay, he lost he lost so many he he lost so much talent on that North Carolina Tar Heel roster. Um, you know, it damaged his profile. And that's perfectly I mean, look, it's it is what it is. Um they started I think they were a top 10 team in the nation last year at the start of the season. Ultimately lost around five games, six games. Um, Sam Howe, numbers from a passing passing standpoint decreased. His rushing yards significantly increased. Um, but in the same vein, he lost a lot of talent. So with that being said, uh, he gets drafted in the fifth round for all the reasons that um, people were concerned about. He he didn't he, he lost the numbers. Um, he's not he wasn't as efficient. Look, they lost X amount of games, all these things. But at the end of the day, like if you had the same, if you're the same person that was a projected first round pick, uh, oh, I forgot, by the way, they thought that, you know, six feet, like, come on, he's short. Like, what is he, what is he going to do as a first round draft pick? But if you're that same first round pick that was uh, projected by many scouts to go in the first round uh, in 2021 and, and you slip and fall to the fifth round, at the end of the day, it's going to be hard to deny your talent. Russell Wilson was a quarterback who I thought was a first-round pick, and I always go to him because I was right. It was just flat out I was right. Um, I knew that Russell Wilson um, was 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 being overlooked, and I didn't know like in that in that moment I didn't scout like as as much as I am right now, but I did know that this height played a factor. I just don't know all these other reasons why he would have slipped to the third round. But I'm like, look, whoever whoever gets him is missing out, and I was even excited that. See that he got drafted. Like when Seattle took him, I was like, "Oh, that's what's up." Um, I wanted Washington to take him. When I found out that Washington was in the mix, like years later, because they didn't like in the event that they didn't trade for RG three, they would have selected Russell Wilson. I'm like, "Bruh," <laughs> like that. That really, that really pissed me off. But with that being said, back to Sam Howe. If you're good this Saturday against the Carolina Panthers. This is the start of changing that narrative or reestablishing who you are as a quarterback. If you're that good, if you're at a projected first-round pick at one point and all of a sudden fell off the face of the earth for reasons that's out of your control, then you're going to show it regardless of how many opportunities you get. Every single opportunity that you get is going to be on display. So for Sam Howe, I'm very interested in seeing this because my storyline is all about if he was a first round pick, I sure as hell will see that in his first game. 
I will see something that tells me, all right, he got it. And then the storyline continues. Like, I need more of Sam Howell. That growing, that scratch that needs to be itched every single week. Like, I need more. I need to verify more. I need to see more out of Sam Howell. And that's what this Saturday is all about. Is there something there that we can dig into? Because if you're talking about he's a project and he won't be ready until 2024, 2025, what is he here for? Like he's he's a he's a he's a backup. You don't wait that long. Ain't no quarterback, ain't no starting quarterback waiting that long to get his first shot. If you're good, you're good. And um, so I just want people to understand like there is no quarterback to this day. Um, I exaggerated, but there's no current day quarterback who has to wait that long to get their first shot. And then all of a sudden, they're they're an elite player. Like no elite shows itself early in their career, regardless of how many opportunities they get. Elite shows themselves. So. If he's that first round guy like people are imagining, I'm here for it. That's what I want to see. Um, and 1 p.m., maybe in that third quarter, late third quarter, fourth quarter, we're going to get our answer. So, yes, with that being said, that's it, man. Those are my five players. And we will be back after the game to preview or to break down exactly what happened, who stood out, um, and things like that. So, y'all be safe. Enjoy y'all day. Enjoy y'all night whenever y'all watching. Peace.